Hey, it's Lynn Galadner, and this is the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm founder of the Your People Marketing and PR Agency, and I lead the Make Meaning Movement, a platform that helps purpose-driven visionaries and leaders do business with meaning. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how people dare to take chances to live the life they want with meaningful work and purposeful days. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org to learn more. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and today I have the joy of speaking with Rashida Kamaria-Williams, who is an award-winning mentor, author of Be Empowered, How to Live Above and Beyond Life's Drama, and Chief Empowering Officer for Empowered Flower Girl, a social enterprise she launched in 2010 to transform the way young people relate to one another. A survivor of bullying, Rashida uses the challenges she faced as a teen as a springboard to help young people cultivate their power. Growing up, she watched her father battle addiction and watched her mother struggle to make ends meet. When classmates called her different or weird, she refused to let their words defeat her. Instead, she embraced her uniqueness and leveraged it to become the powerful woman she is today. A graduate of Detroit's Cass Technical High School, Rashida also has a bachelor's degree in journalism from Wayne State University. She has extensive training in youth development, community relations, and interpersonal communication. Rashida, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great, great show, great opportunity. I'm uh, really excited to chat with you today. You are so sweet. You know, I've known you in different circles in the Detroit area for a long time, but I felt like when I was researching you for this interview, I got to know you so much better and I was just blown away by all that you do and all that you teach. You know, it's it's so brave to look bullies in the face and emerge strong and confident. Um, I have my own bullying stories, but I want to know how you did it. Like, how did you rise to that challenge, which is just so painful? You know, as you may have experienced, it can seem like you're alone, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're when you're going through it, uh, you you may know other people who have experienced the alienation and the social social isolation, but at that time, you feel like, well, no one in the world can relate to what I'm going through. Yeah. But I, I think what really helped me get through a lot of it is just by having. Uh, a great support system mm-hmm. that I honestly didn't even realize I had mm-hmm. um, until a teacher actually reached out to me and uh, she helped me. So wow. it was my teacher that helped me get through it. Uh, she was reading my journal. Uh-huh. Um, she she gave us an assignment to write in our journals. And yeah, I was candid. I wrote about the bullying experience. I wrote about the daily harassment and she was actually uh, inquisitive. You know, she wrote comments in the journal, asked questions about the experience, and that helped me get through. Mm. Is this someone that you were in touch with after you left that class or that school? Is it someone you might still have a relationship with? Actually, no. I um, I didn't continue to keep in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, we we talked about this teacher quite often and a lot of students, you know, with Facebook, there's many groups. So one of our uh, middle school alumni groups on Facebook 
just um, was asking about teachers, who was your favorite teacher, this sort of thing. And some people commented uh, about her and uh, I shared my experience mm. about her as well. Um, but no one had been in touch with her. So I, oh. yeah, I wish that I had kept in touch with her just to let her know the, the difference that she made in my life. That's that's so beautiful. I mean, a lot of teachers don't realize how impactful they are to children until it maybe never, but until much later. And, you know, we're at a time right now, we're recording this in the summer um, before, you know, back to school time and everything's up in the air because of COVID and we don't know what it's going to look like. And, and I, I feel bad for teachers who are working so hard. Many of them are also parents and they're, you know, they're humans, individuals, like they're battling so much and yet they give their heart and soul every day to the children in their classrooms. And I think we, we really miss that. I think we take that for granted, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I know that sometimes they don't even realize the impact that they're making. They, they know that they're there to help us academically and to help us um, reach our full potential. But sometimes I don't think that they know the true impact and transformation they have in our lives. And I think we should take time to recognize them, even beyond Teacher Appreciation Month. That's in May, usually, <laughs> but even beyond that, um, yeah. teachers play such an important role. And I, I will say that she made an impact, um, you know, as as well as you know, me just realizing my own personal power as well. And and kudos to you because a lot of kids don't. So, I mean, that's amazing. You know, for me, my, my terrible year was fifth grade and I, I had two friends. I was made fun of because I wore the wrong jeans and my hair was frizzy, you know, and um, as a parent, I've taught my children that people bully because they were bullied in some way, but it doesn't make it easier to endure, you know? So I wonder how we can change course to eradicate bullying once and for all. Like, is that a lofty dream or is that something that's possible? What are your thoughts? thoughts about that? Yeah, and, and that is a good question. And it's definitely something that many organizations and even government entities are exploring, like, how do we really eradicate, eliminate bullying? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think that we sometimes fail to do is address uh, why young people are bullying. Um, some of the prevention programs, they do focus a lot more on um, victims of bullying and survivors of bullying. And that's mm-hmm. great because we, we need that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we like to do uh, with Empowered Flower Girl is focus on what is leading to the bullying behavior. Like mm-hmm. why are young people taking out their anger and frustration and disappointment and worry on others? Mm-hmm. And we realize that, yeah, many of the young people who have been the perpetrators of bullying they too um, have experienced some sort of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked at it, and most of the time, there's some trauma that's going on in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, would we say in Empowered Flower Girl is, uh, are you having a low self-esteem day? Because mm-hmm. we all do have them. But what makes the difference is how we express ourselves in those moments. And mm-hmm. do we have a support system so that we're not taking our frustrations out on others and Uh, belittling them when we're having a bad day. So I think that if we can have more programming that focuses on, okay, how do we even um, support those who may be the aggressors? 
um, of these behaviors um, because they, in the end, both children who are bullied and those who bully other children, um, there's research that finds that both end up having struggles. And in fact, some of those who um, have been the uh, aggressors of the bullying, well, we find out that they end up suffering from depression and PTSD almost mm -hmm. as much or even more mm -hmm. than those who are on the receiving end. So mm -hmm. uh, I definitely think that it is possible for us to um, help support young people in ways that we haven't really looked at before, especially addressing your mental health, uh, but also providing them an opportunity to be the change um, for them to lead their own programs or initiatives in their classes and communities, um, giving them the power to make the difference. Yeah, it's interesting because it really occurred to me when my children were younger, I remember my daughter was in, I think, second grade, and there was a girl in her class who was who was bullying her. And um, I had had an opportunity to engage with the girl's mother. And we once, before the bullying happened, my daughter was was trying to be friends with her and we had a sort of a get together at their house and I was sort of watching the dynamic and uh, the mother was pretty aggressive actually and I it didn't occur to me and then later I was speaking to another parent um, who had a daughter who was in class with um, this girl's younger sister so we're talking second grade for my daughter which is young but the younger sister was in kindergarten at the time and that's that's really young and so um and her this other mother her daughter was being bullied by the kindergarten sister and i thought okay a 5 year old doesn't know how to bully unless they're seeing it somewhere and so you know i mean just when you're that young you really mimic the behaviors that you see around you and so when somebody's friendly and kind you know that's what you pick up on and when they're really the opposite that's what you pick up on and so it, it started to occur to me that these young girls who were five and seven were picking up on behaviors that they were um, immersed in in their home. And, and I learned more about it and that that was the case than actually the mother was even bullying the father. And so it was sort of eye-opening to me because I had never taken sort of a clinical look at it to see how this even starts, you know, like way back when I was in fifth grade and I was suffering through it. It, all I all I was concerned with was, you know, I want people to like me. I, I want them to stop making fun of my hair or whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but as an adult, I, I really was looking at, you know, how can we repair this? Because I think at the core, you know, especially, you know, when we're born, we're, we, we, ex we assume the good. We, you know, you don't see all these differences. We learn to do that. And so um, I think it's so systemic. You know, it's just there's like a domino effect that... I, I don't know how you stop it. I just, I, I want to, but I don't know how, you know? Yeah, I definitely know. You know, it happens in our homes and in our society. Um, a lot of times people don't realize that certain things that they consume, like media, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> it has an impact. Um, the reality TV shows, I know a lot of people, you know, love to watch them, uh, especially some of us uh, women. We may watch them, and especially those of us who have children, um, not thinking that they're paying attention, but they really are. I mean, oh, yeah. the more of the negative energy that we have in our presence, you know, we absorb that. And sometimes I think we don't even realize the impact. You know, I forget which organization did a study, but they found that there is an actual physiological response that we have 
when we watch um, shows like showing the girl fights, you know, Bad Girls Club and all of these other reality shows, um, our response, we will get uh, some level of anxiety or um, heart rate increases when we see um, these women engaging in fights and mm. um, you know, it's just violence and viciousness toward one another. Yeah. Uh, if that is impacting us and we're just, you know, watching it and uh, in, in that particular episode, just imagine like prolonged, um, just a prolonged absorption of all of that uh, energy. What is that really doing to us? And, mm. you know, sometimes I think that, you know, because people, we look at celebrities and because, you know, these people are rich and famous, we think that we can say whatever we want to about them, make mean and nasty comments. I know a lot of celebrities read their mean tweets. Um, even politicians read their mean tweets uh, that they are sent. And we just think that, oh, it's okay for us to bash them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't matter, but it, it does. Um, mm-hmm. The more that we're putting this out there, the more our young people are seeing it and thinking it's okay. You know, they're, mm-hmm. looking to, they're looking to us to figure out how to be in this world and you know, who they should be. And if we are engaging in negative activity, drama and pettiness, um, how is that really impacting um, the girls and young women and young people in our lives? Um, And I say girls and young women because specifically girls, I read a statistic from the Center for National Education Statistics, and Mm -hmm. it said girls are three times more likely than boys to be victims of cyberbullying or have negative experiences online. Hmm. Yeah. So I know that our girls are consuming a lot of this, um, watching the housewives, the bad girls, uh, mm-hmm. even shows like even the toddlers and tiaras, you know, <laughs> competition, the level of competition that starts off so young. So yeah. when you were mentioning kindergarten, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is like, I know this, but then when you say it out aloud, you're like, Wow, it's starting earlier and earlier. Yeah, it's just, it's incredible. And it's it's tragic, you know? I mean, so I really want to hear more about Empowered Flower Girl, you know, what it is, uh, your vision for this organization. And, you know, of course, we want to tell our listeners how they can get involved. Sure. Well, uh, Empowered Flower Girl, we have been around since 2010. Um, in fact, this year we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary, uh, which is uh, amazing. doesn't seem like 10 years, but um, we work to really help young people transform the way they relate to one another and themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we do partner with schools and community organizations and mm-hmm. uh, other groups to support youth and youth advocates, mm-hmm. um, not just the young people, young people, but also those who work with young people. It's just to live above life's drama so they can make a powerful difference. Sure. Uh, yeah. And what that looks like is you know, workshops and programs aimed at helping them to deal with things from cyberbullying to societal pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things that are impacting their abilities to thrive in their classrooms and as they're in their communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, you know, bullying or cyberbullying is one of those topics that we explore. But also, um, when we're talking about solutions, um, I personally am a huge advocate for mentoring. And while I realize mm-hmm. that mentoring is not the only solution uh, mm-hmm. to help young people, I do definitely 
um, advocate for mentoring as one of the solutions to help young people to reach their full potential. Um, mentoring truly does make a difference, and um, you know, and, and the work that we do, um, which we've been evolving over the past couple of years to work more with schools and uh, community organizations, you know, in capacity building to help them really reach and engage young people. Um, but, but mentoring is one of the things that I'm a huge proponent of, and I've just uh, started in a role as a mentoring consultant. Ooh. And um, it's just uh, a true life's mission for me to, to help young people, because I know that they are the keys to worldwide transformation. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I love the work um, that we do and the collaboration that we have with organizations in our community and those across the nation, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is what really makes my life meaningful and mm-hmm. just really uh, brings me joy to know when we've made a difference for young people or those who work with young people. Yeah, well, mentoring is so special because um, it's that one-on-one relationship that, frankly, benefits both people in it. You know, so the mentor too is really impacted by the relationship with the youth, and um, it's just a win-win. It's like they feed off of each other, and um, both are better for it. And I just, I know it's interesting because. I've really reflected on how the pandemic has, you know, sort of slowed down my life in some ways. Um, And really, it's been a blessing because then I have more time to contemplate and to reflect and to think and to breathe a little bit. And I feel like until now, we were all running at, you know, full speed ahead. And a lot of people who might be great mentors might have said, I don't have the time, you know, how can I, how can I possibly fit this in? And I don't know about you, I don't know about other people, but I've definitely taken this the time of these shutdowns and the, you know, the changes in society due to the pandemic to look at what I want to return to when it's over. You know, do I want to be racing so fast or do I want to be devoting my time and energy to better purposes? You know, so I'm hoping that maybe we'll have more mentors come out of this, of this at the end, you know? Yeah. And there is a great opportunity as well. Some people were thinking, well, how is mentoring even going to be possible Uh, But we have the technology. Uh, There are many programs out there that are doing virtual mentoring. Um, There are platforms out there to have safe conversations and video conferencing with your mentees. Um, Mm -hmm. The Mentor, the National Mentoring Partnership, um, they have created a platform in partnership with, I think the organization is called I Could Be. They created Mm -hmm. a a partnership with them so that they can offer this uh, safe and secure platform to still be able to communicate and connect with mentees. And, you know, there are just so many different opportunities for us to engage um, young people, young adults. Um, You know, peer mentoring is also a thing as well. Some people forget that, you know, even adults can use a positive role model or mentor in in their lives, especially those who are um, working toward career changes or even going to school, back to school, college level, Mm -hmm. um, people of all different backgrounds could use a mentor. So um, there are a number of opportunities. And I think, as you were saying, you know, we slow down a bit. This is a time to connect with those in our lives, even if it's a a relative, a young relative, Mm -hmm. um, connect with them. Some people, yeah, some people think that, oh, well, 
you know, they're always on their phone. They're always online. <laughs> but you'd be surprised how a young person reacts to a phone call from you. They haven't heard from you in a while. Um, you know, when I call my niece or nephew uh-huh. and I talk to them, see how they're doing, you know, they're very uh, responsive and they actually enjoy it. So that's you know, awesome. do, do something a little different. Take a chance. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great advice for our listeners too. So everybody listening, pick up the phone, <laughs> call somebody in your life that you haven't connected with recently. I think that's that's super important. So I know, um, Rashida, you experienced some pretty traumatic things early in your life. Um, would you care to share any stories about, you know, some of the circumstances you experienced and how they impacted you or how they inspired you possibly? Sure. Um, well, I know that so many people have experienced loss, um, especially during this time, um, even uh, if it wasn't COVID related, but even just the grief, grieving process right now has yeah. challenged everyone. And um, throughout my throughout my late teens, um, I definitely experienced uh, grief and loss issues, and that led to some pretty tough uh, and traumatic times in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I was raised by my aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, they took me in when I was you know, just 12 years old. And um, while, I'm, while my mother was there in my life, um, they just were able to provide a more stable environment for me um, and gave me opportunities that I know that my mother probably couldn't have provided for me. Mm-hmm. But um, they were a huge impact in my life. And uh, my aunt she got sick with cancer when I was a senior in high school and mm. she uh, ended up passing away. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, just two years later, uh, my uncle, you know, he had, he had expressed, you know, just that he missed her a lot. And yeah, you know, I thought that was part of the normal grieving process, but I didn't know exactly how much he was hurting mm. um, with her loss. Um, and, you know, while he was my uncle you know, by marriage, he's my, aunt's husband, mm-hmm. uh, I felt like he was a father to me. They were both yeah. like parents. Um, and then, um, he attempted suicide actually, mm-hmm. uh, while I was there, mm-hmm. um, in, in my presence. And that, yeah, that was particularly tough. <sighs> yeah. And I, in that moment, I just didn't know how I, w- I would get through it. Um, yeah. he, he didn't die immediately, but it, it, it was from self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, oh, eventually, he he did pass away um, about oh. six six months later. So However, sorry. yeah, thank you. However, during the process, I was able to be a caregiver and help take care of him. But mm-hmm. I also wanted to figure out, okay, how I'm going to get through this. <laughs> at yeah. the time when at the time when he um, was sick, um, I was I think I was a junior or a senior in college, and mm-hmm. I was just trying to get through. But I'll tell you, that gave me a huge motivation to do something to take the attention off of myself and my grieving and depression, mm-hmm. but to make a difference for someone else. And mm-hmm. I will say, out of the grief and loss, I gained my life's mission, which mm-hmm. is you know, to mentor and to make a difference for others. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I end up getting in, in return was that being a mentor and helping others really was healing for me. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's when I started uh, mentoring for um, an organization called Alternatives for Girls. 
Mm-hmm. And I started with them back in what I think it was like 2001. Oh, and wow. yeah, and one of my mentees, you know, we were able to main, maintain a relationship for over 10 years. So, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, these relationships last a long time. So, mm-hmm. I always find that even though, you know, we lose people in our lives that we love, um, but there's also an opportunity for us to uh, gain new. Um, friends and family and people come into our lives for a reason. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we can actually choose to um, bring in and support others who will also make a difference for us. So I just, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have been introduced to mentoring Mm -hmm. um, because I think that transformed my life. Yeah. Thank you for sharing such a vulnerable story um, on the podcast. I mean, those experiences are life-changing and they never leave you, And but you've embraced it as this inspiration to do such good work and to bring such good into the world. So it's just amazing. Um, it's just really admirable. You know, it's it's interesting. I feel like we are as a nation at this pivotal moment, at least I hope we are. And um, we see such anger and pain just all over. I mean, it's just, you know, transcendent. And I feel like, you know, we were talking about bullying earlier, you know, and that comes from having pain of their own and then they're inflicting it on others. And I just, I just feel like there has to be a different way. Like I hope that we're embarking on a new tomorrow. You know, I, I feel cynical at midlife, but I have four teenagers who are so angry and they're like, this, there's no way we can continue. And I'm like, stay angry. You know, this is, you need to change the world for us because obviously we haven't. And so, you know, do you see a way forward for us? It's a big question, I know, but I feel like it's on everyone's mind right now and there has to be a different way, you know? Yeah, I, there, there is a different way. It's just that, are we willing to move forward with it? Are we willing to step out of fear and lack to see um, possibility? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned your teenagers. I believe that, again, Generation Z is the key. I call Mm -hmm. them amazing emphasis on the Z, but these young people are taking a stand. They are not... Um, sitting back silently. They want to make a difference. Some of them may not have the, the tools, but they're, they're there for them. Um, some, some young people are saying like, what can I do? How can I make a difference? They're, yeah. they're organizing, they're standing together. And um, throughout our history, you know, young people have led movements, um, but yeah. there, there's something about this generation that I see that is uh, so resilient, you know, they were born you know, right around you know, 9-11, you know, yeah. in a world yeah. that was scary. Um, they've experienced the economic downturn and, you know, and COVID-19, like they are prepared. They have the tools to, I believe, um, make some radical transformation um, that that is definitely needed. So, um, and, and I think they're a lot more open than previous generations to making it happen and seeing it through. Because if we don't make the changes um, now or start making them, you know, what, what is our existence going to be in the next uh, 20 years? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, we definitely have to address that. And I think that more we support youth and what they're doing, but also engaging, making it an intergenerational conversation. Yeah. Their parents and grandparents, you know, as long as we're all alive, 
we have an opportunity to make a difference. So yeah. I think that if we learn from them, but also support them in the areas where they may need additional assistance, uh, make it an intergenerational um, collaborative effort, mm-hmm. uh, we can get there. It is possible. Uh, peace is possible. I hope so. Please. I hope you're right. I hope you know, so my, too. <laughs> you know, my daughter is one of my great inspirations and she um, she's really passionate and she loves to be part of, you know, protests and she, she wears her Black Lives Matter pin all the time. And she... Um, she's like, this is a human issue and it's not negotiable. And I, I love it. You know, she's a little five feet tall. She's teeny, but it's like, do not stop talking. Do not, you know, silence your voice. I mean, this is really important. And, and to her, there's, there's just no other option. And so I hope that leads us into a better future. I do. You're going to make me cry on the show, but yes, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Rashida, um, I usually finish interviews by asking my guests to offer a permission slip to our listeners, a permission to pursue their purpose, to live their life guided by their meaning. And so I just wonder uh, what permission slips you might offer to our listeners today. I just want to say this is a wonderful um, podcast. I I love the the topic. And, you know, so again, I'm, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to connect with you and um, your listeners. But I just want people to be free and give themselves permission to be who they are. For me growing up, I was called weird and different, you know, weirdo. Hey, um, you have permission to be weird. Weird and wonderful is what I say. Realize that you are, you know, unique and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's what is going to help you to eventually make a difference and create change. Those gifts and talents that maybe other people may, they may not have, but you have it mm-hmm. and uh, use it as I did a springboard uh, to help others and to create change. Those are great. I love it. Um, so Rashida, can you tell our listeners how they can get involved um, with Empowered Flower Girl? Where can we find you? We will share everything in the show notes, but you know, tell us quickly, you know, how can they get involved and where, where can they find more information? Sure. Um, we're on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and LinkedIn. Our, our Twitter is at EFG Empowered, but mm-hmm. you can look us up on um, the others, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn mm-hmm. under Empowered Flower Girl. Okay. And uh, feel free to visit our empoweredflowergirl.com website. And I also have my um, speaker and mentoring advocacy website, rashidakamaria.com. Mm-hmm. And I definitely like to engage. Um, follow me. I'll follow you back. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Rashida, I'm so excited to talk with you. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world.